1: It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast Covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football
2: Today on the Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV We'll be talking about the future of the ACC and the 2022 Syracuse football season I'm Wes Cheng and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman And our guest is our great friend from ESPN.com, Andrea Adelson Andrea, this is your 10th year on the podcast. Thanks so much for being a great guest over the last decade. We always appreciate having you on.
0: Well, I'm glad my fake picks in terms of being quite inaccurate have not (laughs) prevented me from coming back on the podcast. So thanks for inviting me back every year. (laughs)
2: Andrew, I think you're short-selling yourself, and I want to get you started on this one. When you first came on the podcast back in 2012, we were talking about realignment, except it was from the Big East to the ACC. Ten years later, we're still talking about realignment, but this time it's UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten. I never thought it would happen, but what did you think when you first saw the news?
0: Well, initially, I was surprised, but after about five minutes of the shock wearing off, I thought to myself, well... This isn't really all that surprising because last year when Texas and Oklahoma left for the SEC, I think a lot of people felt that was just the first in the next wave of realignment that was going to happen among the Power Five conferences. In fact, there was a, quote, alliance that formed with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and the ACC to help sort of stabilize. The situation, but as we have seen, that alliance really did nothing because when schools are looking at the long term future, and television contracts are up, and grant of rights agreements are up, uh, then that gives an opportunity for movement. And in the case of the Big Ten, with their television rights agreement up. And USC and UCLA, which were looking for better financial situations than they thought they'd be getting in the Pac twelve. Well, it all makes sense on paper, right? Because this is where we are in collegiate athletics right now. The financial falls was taking precedence over whatever rivalries or geography or commonalities that might have kept conferences together. So this is just the next and i am sure at some point the we'll another next because if the history of collegiate athletics has told us anything it's that change is inevitable we should expect change and so i don't think anybody is stopping here uh with 16 in the sec and 16 at the big 10 i think eventually there is going to be a consolidation among those conferences and we will see where it all ends up
2: So I wanted to get your take on how this affects Syracuse and the ACC. The grant of rights in the ACC may preserve the ACC for a bit, but what do you see happening in the short term and in the long term?
0: Well, that's the biggest question facing the ACC right now. You mentioned the grant of rights. I mentioned the grant of rights. For those who are not completely aware of what the grant of rights are, essentially that is what schools have agreed to in terms of all their media rights being owned by the ACC. And that goes for money and that goes for what appears on television, right? So if a school wanted to leave the ACC, they would be leaving behind their television revenue and they would not be able to have their home games and select non-conference games in all sports air on television throughout the remainder of the grant of rights, which in the case of the ACC runs through 2036. That's 14 more years. So you can see why in the short term, really there's nothing that can be done for teams that may want to explore a move elsewhere. It would be cost prohibitive to do that, but also their incoming conference would not be able to broadcast all of their games and what conference would want to do that. So that is what's keeping the ACC together for the short term. But in the long term, That doesn't necessarily mean everybody is going to want to hold hands and sing kumbaya together, right? The ACC (laughs) being locked in for this length of time is unique. The other conferences didn't have television contracts that lasted 14 years, which is why you've seen the movement from schools leaving the Big 12 to the SEC. Their television contract was coming up. The Pac-12 contract was coming up. And obviously, the Big Ten contract is coming up. It makes it easier for movement. The ACC, however, is in a different situation where it makes it difficult, if not impossible, to move. Now, having said all of that, there are some schools that have started to have their legal teams look into the grant of rights to see if there is any possible way to not only challenge these in a court of law, but win a court case to be able to break these contracts to get moving. Nobody has done that yet. I don't think anybody is going to be doing that anytime soon because nobody has found a legal argument that would give them a winning argument in court. So what does that mean for the short-term in the ACC? It means they have to win, A, the conference has to prove themselves, they have to make themselves more attractive to their television partner, ESPN, for there to be any hope of opening that television contract up and producing more financials that can go toward teams in ACC. Uh, But there also might be creative ways of doing things. I don't know if expansion right now is on the table for the ACC, because if you add schools, that means you got to add a ton of money into the pot that you're still dividing it up. So schools aren't losing money. Uh, There might be partnerships that could, could potentially form. I know Jim Phillips wants to hire a chief revenue officer as they look at what that financial gap is between the ACC and where the Big Ten is going to be and where the SEC is right now. But long term, the grant of rights doesn't really guarantee that all these schools are going to stay together once they start getting toward the end of this contract. And I think that's where the potential problem is for the ACC moving forward.
2: Andrea, you alluded to this in the first part of the podcast, but there's got to be some sort of end game with realignment. What do you think that looks like?
0: I'm not sure. And anybody who thinks they know the answer is probably bluffing at this point, because even the commissioners and the administrators that I talk to on a regular basis can only provide a best guess on what they think this is all going to look like in the end. I know there are some folks who think that we may be ending up more toward uh, a NFL-type model where you have the Big Ten and the SEC and and maybe another conference, perhaps it's the ACC, um, that are left standing among the power conferences and the other two, the Pac-12 and the schools divided up among those three. Maybe it's just the Big Ten and the SEC left standing and uh, rating the other three power five conferences. Maybe there's finally a breakaway between the power schools and the power conferences that can afford to spend a lot of money on football. A division of the, quote, haves and the, quote, have not that we've been talking about now for, I don't know, decades. Uh, the separation that we have seen from schools that are willing to be all in on football and others who are trying to um, stick forward with their athletic department mission and their university's mission um, to have a nice balance between athletics and student athletes uh, producing and thriving in a classroom. Uh, So I'm not really sure whether it's going to end up looking like two super conferences between the big 10 and the SEC if there's room for the ACC at the table uh, because there's so many unknowns about what these financials are going to look like over the next decade when it comes to television, television partners, streaming services. I just don't know how that's all going to shake out. But I do know that realignment is not going to just end right here. And having said that, it doesn't mean you have an answer on what it's all going to look like. In the end, I just think that there's going to be further movement because you have commissioners who have hinted as much, uh, starting with Kevin Warren in the Big Ten, um, about where they think this is headed.
2: Andrew, we still got a football season that's kicking off later this month, so let's talk about the product on the field. Do you see an ACC team in the college football playoff this year?
0: Oh, I have uh, gone back and forth on this because I... Definitely picked Clemson to win the ACC, but it is the least sure I have ever been when typing in Clemson on the line to submit my preseason ACC ballot. I really felt as if Clemson kind of opened the door to provide hope for other schools in the conference that, that it's not just Clemson and everybody else that there are teams that could potentially win the ACC again um, and leave Clemson for a second year in a row outside the ACC championship game. But when I look at Clemson on paper, and of course, these are all guesses at this point, um, they have the most talented and deepest roster in the conference. And that is with Major question marks at quarterback and on the offensive line and at receiver because the strength of that defense looks like it is going to be able to carry Clemson once again. But I'm unsure whether the strength of that defense carrying Clemson means they're going to make it into the college football playoff again. I am leaning no On that right now, I don't think this is a team that's going to go undefeated this season, but I do think this is a team that is better than the others in the ACC, that is the most talented, and that has most of its key ACC games at home, which is why I picked them to win the conference, but I just don't see a playoff appearance for any team in the ACC this year.
2: And Andrea, we'll get you out of here on this one. I've asked you the same question every year for the past decade. I'll ask you again this year. How do you see Syracuse doing this fall?
0: Well, this is the one that I feel like I continually get wrong, and you are nice enough to keep having me back on the show. So (laughs) thank you for that. Uh, You know, I know everybody picked Syracuse to finish last in the Atlantic, but I think a lot of that is a function of how strong the Atlantic, I think, is going to be from top to bottom, which is, again, why I've suggested I'm not sure that Clemson is going to go undefeated this year uh, in ACC play, because this truly is, I think, the best Atlantic in terms of strength top to bottom since I started covering the league uh, back in 2011, 2012. And coaches seem to feel the exact same way. So while I am high on... Syracuse this year. The changes that Dino Babers made to his offensive staff, I think Robert and I is going to be able to do some great things with both Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker. I love the fact they've launched a Heisman campaign uh, for Sean Tucker. As Dino Baber said to me and my colleague David Hale at, at Media Day, the fact that they've got someone like Garrett Schrader plus Sean Tucker, Neener Niener, we have him and you don't, um, makes him feel really good and confident about what they have the potential to do on offense. And we saw the strides the defense has made under. So in my opinion, this is a more complete team than what we have seen in both 2020 and 2021. So I think Syracuse has the potential to win six games this year and to make a bowl game. But it is going to be very difficult to get there because of what the rest of the Atlantic looks like. I am projecting Louisville and Florida State and Boston College to be better than they were a year ago. And even if Wake Forest takes a slight step back, that's still going to be a bowl team that has the capability of winning 8 to 10 games, right? And Clemson's going to be really strong. NC State should be really strong. I think I just named everybody. In the division. So where does that leave Syracuse? <laughs> I am I am going to say 6-6 six and six bowl team.
2: Andrea, thanks so much for coming back on the program. Again, Andrea Adelson from ESPN.com. Andrea, thanks for being such an amazing guest over the past 10 years. We always love having you on. Enjoy the college football season. We'll speak with you soon.
0: Well, once again, thanks for having me for all these 10 years. I'm going to go uh, uh, pop some champagne in my kitchen right now.
2: always great having Andrea on the program and hope she enjoys that bottle of champagne. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing
3: well, Wes. Thank you.
2: Brad, the preseason polls and all conference teams are out. Syracuse was picked to finish last in the ACC in the Atlantic and only had one first team selection, and that's Sean Tucker. What did you think when you saw the preseason ACC teams come out?
3: There was certainly no surprise when the media poll was released by the ACC last week, Wes. I I thought it was a very slim chance that Syracuse would not be the uh, seventh and last place team picked by the media in the preseason poll. And you you certainly can't blame the media for that. Uh, Syracuse just simply hasn't won enough games in the last three years. They haven't uh, proven themselves in the ACC except for 2018. Uh, under Dino Babers and a little bit in the first season making a bowl game in 2013 with Scott Schaefer. But there's really no reason to expect that the media from around the conference and in all the states in which there are ACC teams, north and south, would vote for Syracuse any higher than last place in the division. And wow, Wes, I'll tell you, the Atlantic division this year is really stacked that is a very tough division. I mean, just start right off with, you know, perennial contender Clemson. You know they're going to rebound under Dino Sweeney, Dabo Sweeney, excuse me, and you know they're going to be right in contention uh, for winning the division this year after missing out last year to Wake Forest. And then the team that everybody's looking at is, is NC State. What a great defense they have coming back and you know, right there to be in contention to win the Atlantic Division and to play for an ACC title. Then the team Syracuse has to open up with in week one in the Dome, Louisville. I think a really underrated team. I think Louisville right now would be my you know third team in the Atlantic Division going into the season. And then you have Florida State. I mean, all that talent, uh, I, I think they're going to get it together this year, and that talent's going to come through, and Florida State's going to be right there uh, to certainly finish above 500 and compete for a bowl game. Wake Forest has its quarterback and and a great coach and Dave Lawson back, and they're certainly not going to be a slouch. And then that leaves Syracuse and Boston College probably right at the bottom of this very tough division. And for Syracuse, they have to go on the road and face BC in the final game of the season. And when you look at the uh, preseason all-conference picks, really disappointed that Sean Tucker was the only Syracuse selection. And I say that, Wes, because, you know, we've talked about this often – 70% of the ACC media is from either uh, North Carolina or Virginia. There's just not a huge distribution of media members around all the states in which there are ACC teams. And I really think that tends to shake out each year when these preseason picks and preseason all-conference selections are announced. Syracuse's defense at the linebacker spot and in the secondary is is top-notch. And Mikel, Jones is certainly a player that you know should have gotten much more recognition uh, by the media to be an all preseason selection. But what are you going to do? Uh, that that's the way it turns out. But the other thing I noticed about that is this: when when you look at uh, the offense, all but. Four players are from the Atlantic Division on the preseason all-conference team. And defensively, all but three are from Atlantic Division teams. So that just goes again to my point. The Atlantic Division is going to be a dogfight the entire season.
2: Brad, Syracuse football practice begins on Wednesday, August 3rd. What should we be looking for as the season begins?
3: Well, here it is. Really excited. Preseason practice is about to begin. The first of 21 practices Uh, starting on Wednesday, going right through uh, August 28th, and then the next day, August 29th, is the first day of classes, and that begins game week for Louisville. The team will have five off days around those 21 practices. So what I'm looking for, of course, in, in, in the bulk of the time here is getting everything lined up. I mean, getting everything offensively now with Robert and I, the offensive coordinator, Jason Beck is the quarterback's coach, uh, getting the wide receivers going, getting the offensive line in sync, and then letting it air out with, uh, Derek Schrader at quarterback and, of course, Sean Tucker running the ball. And then Tony White's defense, getting it all finely tuned and really, of course, all lines on the defensive front to make sure that there's enough combination of, you know, the few experienced players that are coming back. And this is really key to develop the young players there so they can have a, a large enough rotation to get different players in there fresh uh, going against quarterbacks for the opposition. And of course we know that the Atlantic division has top notch quarterbacks this year. And Syracuse is also playing a pretty good quarterback in one of its crossover games against Virginia. So what's really going to be important is getting a a quick jump on the season Wes, in in, in these practices and really being ready to come out uh, on fire in the first game against Louisville. Four of the six games to be, excuse me, five of the six games in the first half of the season are in the carrier dome. Syracuse has to win games at home because they simply have not been able to win games on the road. Dino Babers teams are five and 20 on the road. And it's going to be really important. And also you know, to be playing, we've talked about it before, the entire 12 game schedule and entries are going to happen. So developing quality players on the second and third team that may be forced into action. That's what's going to be key here in preseason practice is really developing that depth. And again, the second half of the season, four of the six games are away. And when you look at the road games this year at Clemson, Syracuse has never won there at Pittsburgh. This stat really shocked me, Wes. Syracuse has not won at Pittsburgh since 2001 They're 3-17 and against the Panthers in the last 20 games. To me, that's just incredible. Syracuse has one at Wake Forest, where they have a road game this year, and they also have one at BC, where, as I mentioned previously, they'll finish up the season. So the key in the preseason practice is really developing depth and really developing great conditioning to take it through the entire 12-game stretch because it's more than likely – that a bowl game is going to be on the line in the November games. And Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Well, I have a question for you, Wes. What does Sean Tucker have in common with Tom Brady, LeBron James, and Hulk Hogan?
2: Uh, You stumped me, Brad.
3: Well, they all share officially licensed merchandise with the 500-level website. And really great to see for Sean Tucker that he's going to have an opportunity with the new uh, name, image, and likeness rules in place that he's going to be able to sell, please, with my performance gear. And I really love that term. I really love how uh, Syracuse has gotten behind Sean Tucker with his uh, phrase here and, and boosting his chances for the Heisman Trophy. And he's really got some great merchandise on that site. I'm pleased with my performance merchandise. So I hope Syracuse fans will recognize that, be supportive of the marquee name on the football program this year, and really hats off to Sean Tucker for his efforts in taking advantage of the opportunities that are now presented to student-athletes playing college football.
2: And Brad, my closing thoughts are on 2023 big man J.P. Estrella. Estrella is a four-star center ranked in the top 60 of his class. Syracuse was the first to offer him and now appears in good position for Estrella after he canceled his official visit to Duke. Estrella did take an official visit to Iowa this weekend, but did not commit and will be taking his official visit to Syracuse this weekend. Syracuse does not have any 2023 commits yet, so perhaps Estrella will be the first. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is West Chang reminding you that I hate heavy doors. There should be a sign on it that says, Warning, you're going to look weak right now. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues
1: podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. slash play 100 and use code play 100 that's code play 100 at pricepicks.com slash play 100 for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars price Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy